You're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 11. Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 11. I'm Dave. And I'm Ashley. And we're a couple getting to know each other better by exposing each other's media and pop culture blind spots and sharing the must-see movies and guilty pleasures from our pasts. Before we get started today, a little bit of housekeeping. If you like the show, please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a quick review on iTunes to help other people find us. And follow us on Facebook. Just search Shut Up and Watch This and you'll hit our page. All right. So first things first, I just want to apologize on behalf of us both for the little bit of a hiatus since the last episode. We've had many adventures um, since we last spoke to you guys. We have been in London on vacation. Um, We had an amazing trip, and uh, this episode got pushed a little farther back than we thought, but we're glad to be back with you this time. Very glad to be back. And what is it we're covering? Talk Uh, to me. What movie did you pick? The Incredibles. It was my choice, and I chose The Incredibles. Um, Not necessarily purposefully to tie into the release of The Incredibles 2. Because I'm sure you had no idea that that was coming. Well, I knew it was coming out, and I want to see it, and you haven't seen the first one, so I thought it might be a good idea for you to see it, but also... This is one of, I don't know, it's, I don't know if it's one of my favorite movies, but it's a movie that I enjoy a whole lot. Um, so, you know, it didn't come out when I was a kid. I, I forget when it came out. 2004. So I was in college when this came out. It's not like it's like a treasured childhood movie or anything like so that. So it's not one of the ones you like settled onto the couch with your mom each week to, no, to watch no. while listening to Loretta Lynn soundtrack? No, uh, no, it's kind of. it's not that sort of thing. I just, it really... You know, I want to say if it's important in my life, it helped me sort of hone in to my um, major or minor obsession with uh, mid-century style and aesthetic and <laughs> and that sort of thing. It just really jives with that sort of... So Ashley is super into <laughs> mid-century style, so I think it's funny that, that, that the, your big like takeaway from the movie The Incredibles, which is this great entertainment, yeah. is like, oh my god, it really nails mid-century style, well, which it totally does. So yeah. I, I, you know, I've spent a number of hours on the internet over years trying to find cheap cells from the movie that I could post on my walls because I love the design of and they have this great book on the style of the Incredibles that I've always wanted anyway um but another reason why I thought it might be a good thing for us to watch is that you guys may or may not know Dave sort of has sort of he does not enjoy um all the superhero films that have taken over our uh, culture in the last 15 years not only that (laughs) Okay, I'm not a com- I'm not a complete curmudgeon. Some of them I I like and yeah. enjoy, but I I do com- I'm the first to admit that I am big time super tired of the Marvel universe yeah. <laughs> and all of that kind of stuff. But on the other hand, the other thing that I'm really tired of and that I've certainly seen my share of are loud, obnoxious, colorful animated movies. Oh yes, because with the kids. Yeah, so I have two kids um, from my last marriage. Um, they're now what 14 and 12 years old. I've had many, many years of terrible animated films. Yeah, I did watch Boss Baby with your youngest. So so. I was thinking about this. (laughs) The Incredibles was a movie that I was 
aware that it existed on some level, but I don't remember when it came out. I had to look up when it came out. And it's funny that it's 2004 because that was the year my first daughter was born. So that there's, <laughs> I've joked about this a lot with Ashley. And I think a lot of my blind stuff, my blind spot stuff is in that zone of like between 2004 and 2008, where I had small children yeah. two years apart. And so getting through infant and toddler years, you're in a media blackout. Yeah. Okay. We didn't know what shows came out. We didn't know anything so i'm still to this day going oh what's this friday night lights show that people are talking about (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah so i missed the incredibles and then i think because i had that feeling of like saturation and it was not any i don't rush out to see pixar movies yeah i i i know and understand that pixar is another level i mean that most of them i'm cars (coughs) cars <coughs> yeah. um are <laughs> are really vastly good entertaining films for both adults and kids and they have something to say and they have a heart and they they have that genuine feel but i'm i just feel like i've done it all yeah. you know so it's hard to get past the grinch um which is not a good film yeah by the way <laughs> well i don't think that like if i had seen this movie when i was a kid i might be pretty bored because one it's kind of long and two, it's not really focused on things that kids might find interesting. It's all about that family dynamic, you yeah. know, between the dad who's, you know, going through a midlife crisis and, you know, the hard put upon mom who's trying to hold everything together and, you know, and then, you know, dealing with the fact that they're a family of superheroes, you know, it's... yeah. So I think uh, some of my appreciation for the movie, now having seen it, comes out of my fondness for, like, 1960s TV sitcoms mm, with yeah. the sort of Dick Van Dyke, Laura <laughs> Petrie, Robin, Laura Petrie, Dick Van Dyke, and Mary Tyler Moore, and that sort of thing. Because it has that feel to it, yeah. but then you mash it up with the um, superhero sensibility and, and all of that. It's um, it's really, do- it's a nice fit. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I don't know. I just, it seems it's really well written. It's written by Brad Bird, who's also returning for the sequel. Um, who- do we need to say anything more about the plot at this point maybe um so the incredibles is a movie about um uh some former superheroes that have been forced into retirement uh because of the great acts of superheroes often there is collateral damage and the government sponsored program for superheroes didn't want to pay for the collateral damage anymore so they forced all the superheroes into hiding it's like a witness relocation yes. kind of thing new identities new families <laughs> well and and you get the idea that this family has been relocated on several occasions because the father just cannot get out of the saving people's lives and and you know we start out the movie with the wife calling the husband and saying bob she's calling helen's calling bob and she says i just unpacked the last box you know and he's like we've been here for 3 years but that's the first clue that you get that they've been moved around a lot because yeah. of his um uh wanting to go out and save people even though he's in retirement kind of thing so he has a thankless job at an insurance company with a terrible boss um and he's you know really got that itch to go out there and do he stuff. He wants to recapture his glory yeah. days. But he's got a gut now. <laughs> yeah. Nobody needs him anymore. <laughs> Superheroes can't be out in the open yeah. saving anybody. And uh, gosh, yeah, go ahead. So, And then he gets the call from, uh, you know, a secret, this attractive woman with a secret mission 
So he starts going and 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 doing this thing. Well, it turns out this thing that he's doing is actually like his arch enemy from from back in the day, um, or actually a new arch enemy that he created through his own actions. But um, it was his biggest fan. Biggest fan yeah. becomes his um, is trying to find a way to destroy superheroes and you know take over the world essentially as all you know superhero villains are. Um, so once he discovers the ruse, he has to, you know, stop he, him. He, in fact, wants to be a hero himself yes. by by wiping <laughs> out the other heroes and yeah. being the only one left to kind of manufacture a yeah. saving the city kind of scenario. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, his family gets involved because they're superheroes as well. So it's all about, um, you know, appreciating the family that you have and, um, you know, you know, learning to trust each other. And I don't know, it's, you know, one of those good feel good kind of messages you know so <laughs> so um i was reading i did a little bit of background reading about the origins of this movie and you know where it came from and and brad bird had been kicking this around for 10 years or so want, kind of wanting to do this he was originally going to do it as a 2d animation mm-hmm. movie like the iron giant which tanked at the box office and kind of depressed him a little bit um but he had this opportunity to go to pixar and do it but anyway in terms of conception he was always interested in taking these sort of family archetypes mm. and then bending them a little to pull out the superpower that makes sense for them. Yeah. There's a nice quote that I found on Wikipedia. Um, he said, uh, the dad's always expected in the family to be so strong, so I made him strong. The moms are always pulled in a million different directions, so I made her stretch like taffy. <laughs> Teenagers, particularly teenage girls, are insecure and defensive, so I made her turn invisible and turn on shields. And 10-year-old boys are hyperactive energy balls. Babies are unrealized potential. And, like, right yeah. there is yeah. the whole brilliant concept yeah. of, you know, if, if the cute boy walks by, then Violet immediately turns invisible, yeah. you know? <laughs> Unintentionally. Yeah. <laughs> and she, and down to the way she's animated, um, she's got... She She's like got her black hair, long black hair, like in front of her eyes, so you can't ever see her face and stuff like That's that. That's funny. My mom always just I, I when I was a teenager, I always had my hair in my eyes, and my, it drove my mom nuts. She always wanted to pull my hair back. So <laughs> another a funny thing about the hair situation yeah. is like um, they had to like figure out how to animate 3D in a completely mm. new way. This is the first film that had entire entirely like a human cast of characters and they hadn't really done like realistic hair and skin before and they wanted to not do the long hair sort of drapey thing because it was so hard to animate he's like no violet has to have the the, the, like hair like you know that's part of her character so well it's interesting that that role that pixar provides in sort of pushing the animation envelope because Mm. i feel like that they've been doing that for a long time i mean i guess there's not very many companies that have the resources or the experience that they have um, to do that sort of thing. But it feels like every movie that comes out, they're like, oh, yeah, we discovered how to, you know, animate water, you know, this yeah. time or something well, like that. Well, a lot of the stuff they think <laughs> they figured out, I think they figured out because of what Brad Bird came in and pushed yeah. them to do. And I think he was the first outside writer director they ever brought in to do a pixar Mm. show like it had always been the in-house team yeah you know and even every the the toy stories they were written by a handful of people and animated by their entire shop and all that yeah and this was like i'm bringing in my people and we're going to figure out how to do yeah it sounds like they brought in um some of the 2d animators from Iron. yeah he brought in all of his 2d animators and then they all had to confront like how do you do what (laughs) how do you do this what can we do that we weren't able to do before and uh you know well, and they are pretty realistic humans as far as animation goes, I think. 
you know, they're not uber stylized or anything like that. I mean, other than they sort of blend in with the mid-century kind of. I think at some point Disney was like, why don't we just <laughs> film it with humans yeah. and make a, <laughs> a human action movie? And they're like, no, I'm not into that at all. Let's not well, do that. Well, now they're doing it with all their movies, so. Yeah. Oh, maybe one day there'll be a human version of. I don't want to. I don't want to see Craig T. Nelson now. No, um, as uh, Mister Incredible. They'd have to get somebody else to do it now. I don't know who. Anyway, so, <laughs> so what did you think? <laughs> I loved it, but I have to. This this is funny. I never know how much we should say about the conditions where we watch mm. these movies. Yeah. But this episode has been kind of in the works forever because we squeezed in um, trying to watch this movie a few days before our trip to London. But we started at late at night and I got super sleepy and like totally checked out and it was all vague and foggy. And I don't even think I saw the last 30 minutes. And so this whole time has been like, I need to rewatch it. I need to rewatch it. We couldn't find the time. And it became a thing. Yeah. You know, but when I finally <laughs> yesterday, what, almost a month after or maybe two, what, three weeks, two, three weeks after we tried to watch it the first time, I sat down and watched it on my own and it was wonderful and hilarious and I loved it and I wrote all kinds of notes and everything. And I really just love the way that it takes this sort of everyday suburban mm. sitcom trope angst kind of stuff and pulls it into this world. I mean, so I was thinking, how clever was it that they were playing the the um, Bob's kind of flirtation with his new life? Oh, yeah. You know, after he gets fired from his insurance job because he's too nice and all that, yeah. right? Um, and then he starts, uh, what's her name? The character, the mysterious woman. Who, Mirage. Mirage. Yeah. So he starts secretly meeting with Mirage and flying off to conferences, honey. Yes. Right. Where he's actually <laughs> going to the secret volcano island and, yeah. you know, battling the Omnitron or whatever the yeah. thing is called. <laughs> and, um, you know, training and, and starting to do the missions, uh, for that, but they play it like he's having an affair. Yeah, they do. I love it. It's so good because you have that same the same scenes well, with Helen. With Helen pulls the hair off Helen of finds the hair, <laughs> yeah. and Helen's like, and um, he starts working out all the time. Uh-huh. You and know. Edna, the crazy costume lady, is yeah. like, "Do you know where he is right now?" Like, don't you just love her? I, so, you know, that's Brad Bird's voice. That, I, I'm glad you know that. Yeah. I thought I was going to be the one to get to say yeah. that, but um. So, Edna is my favorite character. I in the know whole she's movie. amazing. Yeah, she's. And they couldn't. I don't remember why they didn't have anyone to play that part. But it wasn't originally the plan for Brad Bird to do it. I think as far they, as I they read. tried some people, and he. But they did like they do they yeah. do they did like a scratch track, you know, yeah. where like in editing they like they had him doing it, and they loved it. Yeah. Everybody loved it. So <laughs> it's the best. She's like Darling. she's like three feet tall and yeah. has the big sort of like the huge bubble like oval glasses yeah. and, and uh, is one of those fat black f- her hair mm. just that little fringe of hair and the accent and the uh, she's just fabulous yeah she's well I mean she seems like um oh gosh who's she's the, like the costume designer from she's like one of the project runway type yeah uh, exactly you know. <laughs> They made that documentary about the actual fashion woman in New York who wear the the lady who does wear the big glasses. Yeah. I can't remember her name, but she's kind of like that too. Mm. Only that one was a New York socialite type, not yeah. like a accented kind of. Anyway, <laughs> she gets to be like the like the crazy M and James Bond kind yeah. of thing with the gadgets. Only mm. it's all costume related. Yeah. You know, remember they're like firing guns and burning up the baby's costume <laughs> as it's going by to test it. No capes. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I don't remember if it's always the case with Pixar movies, but the the strength of the callbacks, like the no mm. capes, yeah, the, like the the, the in jokes that are planted early on that come back and pay off once or twice in different ways is superb. Yeah, that's and the no capes one comes back a couple of times and it's at the very end. That's how yeah. I think he gets wiped out. Is the cape? Yeah, the cape. <laughs> that's how the, the villain... cape that gets you sucked into <laughs> engines and yeah. airplanes, jets, and stuff like that. No capes. No capes. <laughs> so Edna was my favorite. Um, I, uh, going back to the, I don't want this to be all about me talking, yeah. <laughs> but I also love uh, another scene that I flagged as kind of really pushing the suburban sort mm-hmm. of thing while in the context of action is in that final chase at the end where they're back trying to get oh, to the yeah. city <laughs> and, th- and they're actually having an argument about don't turn on seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Remember the last time you did that? And here the, the world is at stake at yeah. this point. There's a giant robot blowing everything up and they're having the, the comp- that same argument that couples have every single yeah. time about take not seven. asking for directions or take this street or no, that always stops. And no, don't that. take seven. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I appreciate that a lot. And there's an earlier argument in the house, which I think is really well done too, where he's been out. Um, so this is before he gets contacted by Mirage. He's been out sort of saving people on the QT and he gets home and, you know, Helen's waiting for him when he gets home, you know, he's been bowling, but he's not been bowling. Um, and they get to get into an argument. And then, of course, the kids are up and hearing all of this, you know, you know, anyway, I, I thought it was uh, extremely well done as far as like family dynamics. And um. another good bit <laughs> in family dynamics that works well is the, the whole thing about um, um, Violet, build a shield. Save yeah. the thing. You told us never to use, use our powers. powers. <laughs> you said never to use our powers. <laughs> Forget well, what I said. Just that <laughs> whole family, and well, the whole dinner scene before, where the yeah. kids are fighting and the mom's trying to keep them separate, and the dad's completely tuned out. You know, of course, the mom own. can literally <laughs> stretch her arms out and grab both yeah. of them at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> still didn't stop them from doing anything. And her her power is great, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. she can even swat his butt from far away when yeah. you have the little montage yeah. of like the sexy montage of after he's like feeling all confident yeah. and working out and stuff like that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just, well, and I actually, you know, to talk a little bit more about the style of things, um, cause I'm obsessed with it. Um, I love this, the style of that house, the neighborhood they live in looks like a newly built 1960s, uh, atomic style neighborhood and their furniture is amazing. They have the hanging shelves in the living room and the flagstones, which we have on the front of our house, um, and then, you know, Edna Mode's house is done in the, the sort of high German uh, modernist style. Like It reminds me sort of <laughs> of that kind of North by Northwest kind yeah. of house on the above the, in, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. That, that, that huge, uh, I don't know if it was a... Well, and it seems like the island is done a lot in that kind of style. Uh-huh. The sort of big, yeah, in North by Northwest or mm-hmm. uh, if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, the big lodge they have there is kind of built in that style too, you know. I didn't realize that <laughs> this was going to have that feeling and that that designs the mid-century thing. Yeah. And so when they first showed their house, I like looked at you and was like, oh my God, this is, <laughs> like, this, I knew this was your thing. Yeah, it's... Um, and then it was down to like 
all the cars on the street. Yeah. And the um, the logos on department stores. You had Clump's department store. Yeah. And it had that kind of like 60s <laughs> Emporium Capwell kind of. Well, uh, and theirs looks very much. I would say that there's like probably late. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm gonna actually give it a date. I think I think the time period that they're generally is like late 50s, early 60s. But like the. At the very front, it starts out with a reel of what happened to the superheroes. Like, mm-hmm. it's a newsreel sort of thing, but, like, all the footage from there seems older, like, 40s or or earlier 50s sort of things. So you get the feeling that, like, this was 10 years ago or this was 15 years ago, and then now we're in this... Um, so I think But it- there's no <laughs> real sense of where you are now. Like, yeah. what the movie doesn't feel like now but it doesn't feel like it's in the 60s either it yeah. just looks like the 60s yeah. it doesn't feel like you're in you know what i mean yeah. like it seems like they have fairly normal technology but i'm not sure they do no i i think you're right the technology i mean they have they seem to have like normal tvs they don't seem to have the giant big but they did have yeah. newsreel footage and <laughs> yeah. they have kind of boats uh, cars with fins and yeah. stuff like that driving <laughs> so i was thinking about another thing I liked about the movie in terms of sort of its overall message or theme is I just am so trained to, you know, the male oriented action movie that, that I, I thought this was going to be, you know, this is mm. all seems to be heading in the direction of Bob is a hero and he is going to save the day yeah. and he gets to recapture his glory days. But he ends up like captured midway through the movie yeah. for a good 15 or 20 minutes. And the movie becomes about his family being the the heroes yeah right and Helen that has they this are great he- scene where yeah. she sneaks in and to get him to save him you know she's the one who absolutely yeah so they're not sitting there <laughs> in the background they're all the heroes the family is the hero and they they i think they have to talk about it a little overtly at some point yeah. about you know you thought it was all about you and you know you were missing what was actually really happening which yeah. is he was not there he was he had checked out yeah. Of his here and now of his present, like so many middle-aged men or mm. men, men, well, men, women, people, women, people, new humans, people, you know, <laughs> not able to be present when you're with your family and always like elsewhere in your mind or at work or something yeah. like that. He had his whole, um, my unrealized life that I should be living. And this yeah. is all kind of this day-to-day stuff is sort of holding me back. And if only I could be a hero yeah. and prove to everybody that I'm, you know, yeah. that I'm good enough, that I'm strong enough to be a hero. But no, it was about, it's about his family and embracing yeah. all of them. Well, and him also accepting that he doesn't have to carry the weight himself, that he no. has a team of people that can do that. And then there's all these great parenting moments where, you know, Helen is teaching the kids to trust themselves and to, you know... Uh, believe in their own strength and all of that stuff, you know. Uh, and then, you know, because well, Violet has to overcome yeah. her self doubt and mm-hmm. her wanting to like blend into the walls and and that kind of teenage like, you know, you self self doubt. Well, and you know, I think it's interesting because like in an emergency situation, um, you know, Helen sort of realizes that she hadn't given Violet that permission to trust herself or that sort of. You know, so so she realized that there had been some, you know, things that she needed to impart that she hadn't until it became imperative that she do, you know, that she do. Anyway. That she do? <laughs> do she do what she do? do <laughs> um, I, I guess, you know, for my final thoughts, I, you know, I'm not 
anti-superhero movie. I do think that they are overdone um, in this day and age. I like. I don't think that every comic book necessarily needed to be made. Just because we got to a technology level where we can present superheroes in a realistic way on screen does not mean that every freaking comic book that ever existed needs to be made into a movie. However, this, and I think there are a few superhero examples where the characters are so well drawn that it's a pleasure to watch even if you're not into the whole superhero thing. And like another example I can think of is like the first Avengers, which, mm-hmm. you know, written by Joss Whedon, who's known for his character work. Yeah. And like if you can make the characters interesting, and this is like my long thing with every movie, if the characters are interesting and you're involved in their story, it doesn't matter what the story is about necessarily but you i know? still just kind of keep coming back to but why does it have to be a superhero movie yeah. why do we have to keep making them well i mean like I don't it, know. it seems to be the premise is we have to keep making them so in order to make them interesting we have to also do this to them but my thing is like well why do we have to keep making them i don't know i, I, I have superhero fatigue yeah. and i can't yeah. and i can say that when i do actually go and i wait for something yeah. big like a wonder woman i haven't seen black panther yet we but that's one that. i do want to see then, you know, I usually find that there's something there for me and that, you know, I wait for those ones, but yeah. I don't care about all of the civil wars and the battles and the whatever, whatever. Well, it becomes, I think very much now it has become like this factory that they have to get out these superhero movies, you know, and so there's not as much time spent on someone spending years like Brad Bird did for this movie, you know, thinking about who these characters are and what their inner life is about and, you know, making a story that isn't just about them being superheroes, but them being something bigger and something more important to society than a superhero, which is a family is more important than that, you yeah. know. So, I mean, like, I think that if if we have to continue to have these all the time, I think that it's important that we have movies that say more than just, you know, these are what superheroes do, you know, which is get into loud battles in the sky and knock down buildings or whatever, you know. <laughs> See, that's that's supposed to be the stuff that is most exciting to the audience. Yeah. But it's the stuff where I always, I check, tune out, I always yeah. check out mentally because I'm like, the story just stopped. We're just watching things fly around and explode well, now for I don't know 10 if, minutes. If other people, because my vision is not good. Yeah. Um, if other people have a better time seeing, but when we're in a theater and there's like eight, 8,000 things buzzing around, mm. I can't tell what's happening. My eyes just can't absorb that. It's just, it's, it's, it's screen filler that isn't very exciting. And then a lot of times they haven't done the character development to make you care about whether people live or die. Hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I've heard that uh, the DC uh, movies have that problem. Some yeah, well, I mean, but, you know, you watch The Incredibles and you had a genuine fear for that family. You know, there's the scene where they they shot a bomb up and hel- at, at the plane that Helen has the kids on, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like you, and some you of the feel... Mi- some of the minions that they fight die. Yeah. yeah. And, she, and um, there's a moment, th- this was big stuff for yeah. Disney and Pixar and all yeah. that at the time, but Helen's like... The men that are after us are not just trying yeah. to scare you. They actually will kill you if they catch you. So yeah. this means you have to do whatever it takes to survive. Um, Dash, you run as fast as you can to get help. You know, you do whatever. But they're at, this is for real, guys. Yeah. And you don't get that message in the usual family animated film, no. too. That the, the exploding plane actually just killed the two minions on it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, the stakes are for real in this movie. Yeah. They are. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. But I mean, that's, you know, that's interesting to me because that's like, it's like, 
the kind of message that, you know, parents dread giving their kids, but it's like the thing, you know, like the real world is scary and, and awful and, you know, not everything is good all the time. You know, that's, that's the kind of thing that you dread to have to tell, you know, these little innocent people, but they have to know it in order to, you know, move around in the world on their own one day, you know, so... Anyway, I just made myself emotional. Uh oh. <laughs> so <laughs> let's take a moment. For, yes. But um, we are now what a, a a week or two out from the opening of Incredibles two, which yes. I was not on my radar because I had never seen this. Yeah. And I haven't seen the trailer, and I don't think I'm going to. And I'm trying not to. You're usually a read ahead to kind of get them. Haven't been as much but lately. I'm gonna. I'm going in, and I just wanted to ask you, like. Where should we set our expectations for Incredibles 2 being a worthy follow-up to the first one? So what I know about it, and I, I, I'll, I'll just share this much. What I know is that um, it will be a case where Bob is Mr. Mom sort of thing. Uh, okay. Like a stay-at-home yeah. dad kind of situation. So that's that's what I know <clears throat> about it. Not because I've read much, but just mm-hmm. because that's what I've heard. So. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of potential and I think that, you know, Brad Bird, I can't, I can't remember what the other Pixar film that he wrote is. Is it? Ratatouille, right? Oh, that Ratatouille, yeah. which is also very good. Which so, I've also never seen. Oh, well, there's another one. I know it's one of Michael Phillips' favorite movies from Film Spotting. Yes. <laughs> um, so, um, I have every reason to be hopeful that it will be good, you know, just because of you know, the general quality that comes out of Pixar and the general, my experience with Brad Bird in general. So I'm hopeful that it'll what be What really kind good. of missteps could the new movie make? What what, what could go wrong? Oh, God. Um. <laughs> There's always the danger, I think, of recycling the jokes, yeah. but not really spinning them in a new direction. I feel like Brad Bird and company are too clever to, like, rest on their laurels with just a load of in-jokes well, and from it's before. Been, it's been 14 years since the last film came out. So yeah, but I don't know how yeah. long the movie's actually been, was in writing That's development. True. You know, yeah. sometimes you get the green light and, like, we have go for this needs to be done in a year and a half. Well, and Pixar has, like, I think a four-year development process yeah. or something like that, so... Um, I mean, I, I guess there's the potential for it to be overwritten, you know, um, for them to focus if there's more, you know, Disney is the house of Marvel and the house of Star Wars. I mean, every now. sequel has this yeah. problem. It has to be similar enough to the yeah. last one to push the same buttons, but it has to also do something new in order to be successful. Well, well not in order to be you successful. Know, I think we have that many Star Wars movies that are very much the same. But You know, it's, if it's been more than a decade, then the person writing it or the initial creator has yeah. had 14 years more of experience. So hopefully that that will drive it to being something, you know, that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking for that transition from one stage to another, you know, um, the, you know, I guess Violet's going to high school or something like that. So, you know, there'll be that sort of transition. I don't know. Wasn't she already in high school? I think she was in middle school. Oh, I thought she was in high school. Yeah. I think she was in middle school. Um, if I remember the the label on the the school, (laughs) school correctly. I'm sure it has a clever name. Um, but I'm, I'm hopeful that it will be enjoyable, you know, so we'll see. (laughs) The voice actors were fantastic. I loved Craig T. Nelson and Holly Hunter. Yes. I, and again, because I'm so out of it and I was such a blackout, I didn't know who was in it. And so I 
I loved recognizing their voices and, yeah. and feeling like, oh, this is good. I'm in the hands of Holly Hunter right now. This yeah. is going to be funny. <laughs> She's going to be able to do, pull off this character. Yeah. Um, what's the name of, um, who is it, who plays Violet, the, the teenage daughter? Oh, um, uh, she's from, uh, America, this American life. Um, Starly Kine, is that correct? I don't know. Is it Sarah Vowell? Sarah Vowell. The sorry, one who, write, yeah. who wrote the books like yes. um, Assassination Vacation. Vacation yeah. yeah. So she'll be back for. for so as far as we know, back. they got the core group back mm-hmm. to be in the next one. Yeah. All right. And, and even um, Samuel Jackson has Frozone. Frozone, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and then Jason, you know, interestingly, I remembered that the the villain was played by uh, Jason Jack, Lee. Ja- I thought it was Jack Black, oh, but okay. it's Jason Lee yeah. because. Uh, um, I think Jack Black's voice would have been similar, but a little more friendly because Jason Lee has a particular sort of skeeviness about his voice or something like that. Yeah, He's I don't know what it is. Particularly skilled in that. Yeah. Um, that sort of. But evil. they both have the down talking kind of snide sort of. Yeah. Um, you know. You know my favorite um, my favorite villain. I'll just end it with this: is the French uh, the uh, French mime. What was his? Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> This was probably in the first half it's of the movie the before I fell asleep, but you now that part was three weeks ago. So. That's true. Um, so yeah, when in our first acting sequence with Bob back yeah. in, in, in history, um, he runs into the, the, the French, French mime bomber, yeah. yeah, mime, um, who says some pretty funny things to the little mm-hmm. young villain. Um, anyway. Incrediboy. Incrediboy, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he works alone. <laughs> All right. Well, um, do you, did you have any other thoughts you wanted to uh, ex- um, share, expound upon, anything like that? Um, yeah. Well, I'm now looking forward to the new one. I can never really get a straight answer out of my kids, like if they have seen this. So I may have to strategically put this on in the next couple of weeks and remind them that Incredibles 2 is about to come out so that we can hopefully all do that together yes. at some point. And more, you know, more money to line the pockets of Disney. So Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Everything should line the pockets of Disney. Everything does line the pockets. Of I can Disney, think of so. uh, several posters in Sky's room right now that is lining oh, the pockets true. of various uh, Disney programs. Yes, we're stuff. not the main supporters of Disney in this house. All right. So. Well, um, that's about <laughs> all we have time for this week. Um, thank you for listening. Again, uh, write a review on iTunes if you like what you hear so um, other people can find us. And drop us a line at shutupwatchthis at gmail.com if you have any thoughts or feedback on this movie or anything else we've talked about. And we'll be back in two weeks' time. Um, Thanks for letting us go off and and have a wonderful vacation. And uh, we're glad to be back. Bye-bye. Bye.